about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. Uh, this morning, we are still going to round up, uh, and I'm going to talk about conquering the enemy called doubt, part two. Conquering the enemy called doubt, part two. Uh, where's my props? Um, and so I want us to go, today, I want us to read a long scripture for, for, for me, and we go to the book of Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, and verse it looks like they've added some more weight onto this. Okay. Uh, so today we'll use other people as examples to carry this thing. Um, um, okay. You know what I want you to do? I want you to take off the other two and, and then I'm going to add to it as we go along. Okay. Because that's where some people are smiling. I should give it to you to carry Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. Sometimes when we read scriptures like this, I would love us to just stand for the word. Can we all stand and let's read this? It's very important as we read God's word. We rarely do this, but I feel we should do that today. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, uh, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus said. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit. They won't let him talk. And whenever his, this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, withering and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, let's read together. How long has been this? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him have mercy. I want you to read that again. Have what? Have. I want you to say that again. Say, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Verse 23. When, let's read together. When do you mean, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, shouted loud, I do believe. 
but help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. I'll read the rest. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers were going, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Only by prayer. The early interpretations of the scripture put fasting in there, but the original interpretation, there was no fasting. He says, this can only be cast out by prayer. Breathe over your words this morning that lives may be shaped, dreams will be fulfilled, and success is guaranteed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Last week, we spoke about the difference between doubt and unbelief. Uh, doubt is very different from unbelief. It is not synonymous with unbelief. Doubt doesn't disqualify you. Unbelief does. John, even John, the, John, uh, the Baptist, even had questions and concerns and doubt when he found himself in jail. You know, when he was in jail, he now sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you really the son of God? Do you know why he asked that question? He asked that question because at that point in time, he was saying to himself, Jesus, you're not only my cousin, but I also baptized you. I also was your forerunner. I also helped you pave the way. Now I'm thrown in prison. What are you doing? Can't you come and help me? Not even one single word. Are you really Jesus? Are you the way maker? Are you the miracle worker? Are you the one that I have professed that is that you are the one that is coming after me but powerful that I cannot even untie your shoelaces? Are you really Jesus? And, 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 and when Jesus saw that question, it was doubt entered into the mind of John. Like, I don't know what is happening because what I'm going through right now, Jesus I need you. And Jesus did miracles and all that kind of stuff. But instead of Jesus rebuking John, we could see that Jesus gave him the highest compliment in the world at that very time. He says there's no one greater than John the Baptist. And I think the lesson for us is when you have questions and when you have concerns and when you have doubts, God still does not disqualify you. That's the point. Because many of us are raised in the fact, fact that if we, if, we, if we challenge our doubts a bit, then they'll smack you or tell you, stop doubting, have faith, don't, don't, don't deny God. No, 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 no. Doubt is different from unbelief. 
unbelief uh, uh, says God doesn't even exist in this situation. Doubt says that I'm having a hard time believing. Unbelief says I refuse to believe. Doubt says I know I could do this if I had strength as I said last week. Unbelief says I will not do it at all. Doubt says, I, I, I don't know what God thinks. Unbelief says, I don't care what God thinks. So I said last week that doubt is a weight you simply can't keep running with. And then I use these two things as an example that these, is, these are, are doubts. And doubts, when you carry these things, that they stop you from running. And after a while, doubt will grind you to a halt. And the difference between doubt and unbelief is that while I am a believer, believing God, I can still keep running and I can still keep walking. But what we want to do is to be able to shed this load of doubt and be able to put it down. Because if we don't put it down, we won't go far. If you have doubts in your relationship, you will not go far. Sooner or later, the doubt, the weight of the doubt will weigh you down until you fall down. Are you following what I'm saying? So doubt is not the complete absence of faith. It is faith laden with the weights of doubt which threatens us, which threatens to sink us. Uh, and I said last week that why do I call it the enemy? It's because it does two things. It limits God and it limits you. Now, what I want to do this uh, morning and afternoon is how to doubt your doubts. How to doubt your what? Your doubts. Doubt is not so much a sin as it is a problem. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? And, and like most problems, it's best to solve it. I'm giving you principles of life in which you can learn to doubt your doubt when doubt comes. Uh, it, it's best to solve it as a Opposed to allowing it to continue to exist in our lives. The longer we carry these weights of doubt, the stronger their power becomes over us. Are you following what I'm saying? And so what happens as you go along, comes on, as you go along, when you continue to doubt, the weight doesn't reduce, the weight increases. So, you have doubt about your marriage and another doubt adds weight to that. And now, it becomes heavier. Are you following what I'm saying? And then, there becomes a doubt about your existence as a child of God. And then it adds to it. Quick, 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 quick. And it adds to it. And then, as you add to it, then, even he had to use two hands. The weight becomes stronger. Are you following? Because you didn't deal with it when it was lighter than this. And then as you go along, you now have wives, you have your children, you start to doubt that, and another weight 
is, 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 is added onto it. And while the weight is added onto it, God said, I'm going to give you uh, uh, a great home. I'm going to provide for you. But because you're going through a financial difficulty right now, it adds weight to it. Uh, and now, what you could have dealt with when it was quick broth, uh, what you could deal with, because the more I'm carrying this, the more what you could have dealt with easily, you couldn't deal with now and because it's late, you carry both. <laughs> Let me put it down. So, so now you are now carrying more loads. What you could have dealt with initially. It is not like you're still not a believer. Bring it to me, bring it to me. It's not like you're still not a believer, but what you're doing is that your load is increasing. Now the journey becomes laborious. You're no more enjoying your Christianity. Because what was 10 before has now become 15, 15 each. And you go through your marriage struggling. You go through your Christianity struggling. And you see, what happens in life is basically what is a single problem we make it a collective problem and what i mean is this maybe you're just having a challenge in one area of your life you make that area become your total life is anyone hearing what i'm saying the best example i can give you and I always use my wife and I as an example because it's the safest example I can use without offending anyone, is when we were believing God for our child, I made sure we had cooperation that that is just one aspect of our life. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a small box of our life. Therefore, we made sure that this small box of our life doesn't affect the entirety of our life. That means I can keep loving her, she can keep loving me. That means we can still have fun. And because we don't have children right now, eh, let's travel. What's the point? You have to pay premium and I will go to good places for less money because I don't have to travel when the children are on holidays. So recently we looked back and wow, we traveled to Thailand, we traveled to uh, Barbados, no, 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 we traveled to Aruba, we traveled to uh, uh, all over the place. And then we ended up traveling to Las Vegas. And it was in Las Vegas that we scored. <laughs> My son is a Las Vegas baby. That's where we conceived him. Like, honestly, just imagine that that small aspect was affecting our entire life and we were carrying weights like this. Then there would be no function in no junction and there would be no perfection. We would not be in Las Vegas because we'll be carrying, oh, we're believing God for a chance. Oh, we're believing God for a chance. And so we'll be moping around at home and all that. No, if it's not here, travel. Because there are times and seasons for everything. Now, if we're going to travel right now, we have to think 55 times. 
Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? So the earlier you start to drop the weight, the earlier you're able to move into what God has called you to do. And don't... Oh, I've started preaching before I've even got there. Don't paralyze your entire life based on one dot. And that's why the Bible says it is a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. It's a little foxes that spoil the vine. You need to get rid of those little, little things and shed them before they become weights you can no more carry. Drop them. It's normal that on our journey we run into many crossroads. And need to make a decision on which direction we're going to head. This is one of the greatest things that bring doubt. There's no safe roads in life. And our journey in life is the sum of all the roads we travel and the decisions we make. I think this is when we fear taking the wrong turn that may ruin everything. Am I actually going out with the right person? Is this God's will for my life? When you start to see James operating some certain things, you're starting to think, mm, I'm not sure anymore. Should I really continue with this or should I not continue with this? Should I really take this job or should I not take this job? Is this really the church I'm supposed to be or is this not? And, 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 and one of the greatest things that paralyzes initiative and paralyzes progress is our inability to make the decision. Should I buy this house or should I not? What, 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 what if I buy the house and I can't pay for the mortgage but you're pay, but you don't realize that you're paying a rent you see how this doubt starts to come in I, 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 I think this is when we fear taking a wrong turn that may ruin everything else and it's this doubt that can paralyze us into making a decision doubt also comes from unfulfilled expectation God always wants me to prosper financially. Then, then why, why, why am I in constant debt? If God's highest priority is for me to be happy, then why did my spouse leave me high and dry? Oh God, oh, am I really significant? Am I really making progress? There are two, two seasons in life where people start to doubt their doubts or where people start to doubt their life when they turn 40 and when they hit 50. Which some of you are soon going to. <laughs> and then we start to, we start to analyze. You understand? Hey, and, and, and this thing is good, but I, I cringe sometimes. When someone say, now you need to sit down, take a stock, start to write what you have achieved in life. I don't want to do that. I want to count my blessings. I, I still want to count that God is still on my, on my side. I, I still want to count that I can still move, I can think, I still got my extremities, my health is still in action. I, I, I want to count that, I want to count what God has done and not start to look at what I have not yet achieved. Because I know when it's in the hands of the Almighty God, He will always make a way where there seems to be no way. I don't want to sit down and get depressed because I turned 50. I want to rejoice because I turned 50. Because many have not on 50 or many are not even where I am right now and God is looking at us saying you ungrateful ingrates do you not realize that if you look around you I have been faithful on your behalf I have fought battles that no one else has fought for you I have been there when everybody else walked out you may not see the battles I fought for you but surely I have fought some battles 
And that's when we step back, I'm supposed to be able to say, God, I thank you. But I do understand that many times we experience situations in our lives where we start to doubt. So the question I want to deal with quickly is, so how do I move forward when faced with doubt? What do I do? Number one, I know you know this already. Pray with your doubts. What did I say? Tap someone beside you say, Honey, pray with your doubts. So, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. We're going to talk to him today. This is what I'm doing. Come up, come up, come up. This is what I'm doing. Listen, listen to what the Bible says first. The Bible says in Psalm 94 verse 19, he says, Lord, when doubt fills my mind. Oh, you didn't know that was in the scriptures. It's there. Unlike a Pentecostal askers that we all have become that when doubt comes, we're finished. No! The, the psalmist says, when doubt fills my mind, doubt will come. He says, my heart is, in, when my heart is in turmoil. Did you see that? Quiet me and give me renewed hope and share. Did you see what he said? That's the psalmist, isn't it? My, look guys, I, I won't deceive you. My mind is in turmoil. But then he prayed. Now, did he pray when there was no turmoil? Or did he pray when there was doubt? He prayed with doubt in his mind. And most of the time, what the enemy tells us to do is because you're doubting, nothing can happen. But when we read the scripture that we read, the man still said, God, if you can, that's doubt. Why? Because the disciples could not do it. If you can. Jesus, what do you mean if I can? He says, if you believe, all things will be possible. He says, I believe. But you know what? Help my own belief. This is what Christians are supposed to do. When, you, when you're a Christian, you're supposed to be able to keep moving and praying with your doubts. Because that's when it's going to shed. And as you're praying, it may not go automatically, but keep holding, keep holding. But after a while, you know what? The first one will start to drop. And you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying. And the second one starts to drop. As you keep praying, as you, nothing won't go, but as you keep praying, then the light, it starts to become lighter. And then this drops all on the way. And as you pray, and you keep praying, and then this drops after a while. And then as you keep praying, though someone is all there, this, sorry, that drops as you go. And then this drops as you go. And then this drops as you go. And then this drops as you go. And then that drops. And you become lighter. It's not, as you pray, each one of these things, leave them there. Each one of them, financial doubt drops. Sickness drops. Disease drops. Children drops. Marital problem drops. Issues drops. Uh, finances drops. Health drops. They all drop at the feet of Jesus. Because he says, I can. He says, I can. So, first thing you need to do is handle your doubt with prayer. Doubt, if handled properly, can push us to our knees. 
and cause us to ask God with sincere desire, Lord, help my unbelief. It is not unchristian. Don't try to measure up to Sadducees and Pharisees that have a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I may not speak in tongues as much as you do, but I have a sincere God I can run to. And as you start to pray, as you see, all that weight starts to drop as you move along. And that's why Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I know people say to you, pray, 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 pray. But let's know what prayer does. The validity of prayer is that it allows us to drop the weights. But I need to encourage us that we don't normally drop it in one go, as you see. Sometimes you have to pray through. It may be a day, it may be two, it may be a month. But as you continue to pray, each one of these weights starts to drop. That's what prayer does. Prayer is called unburden. So I take this, Daniel, come. I take this and I put this into the hands of God. He relieves my burden. He takes over the weight. But you know what? Sometimes as he were taking over, we now say, Jesus, give it back, give it back, give it back, give it back. I still want people to, have, to look at me. And if you, have not, if you are not here on Wednesday, go and download. It's free. It's online now. Online, free. Just download it. It's called The Enemy of Self-Pity. Go and listen to it. Because what we say tend to do is we like to carry this thing to get self-pity. To get people to, oh, how are you today? Oh, I'm still okay. Okay, let, I will come and see you. Are you the only one they're coming to see? <laughs> Every time, you're the only one they need to see. And when they come, you're depressed. And sometimes you need to run from depressed people because they're contagious. <laughs> you need to run. When you see their phone, if you have not prayed, don't pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Have you ever stayed around depressed people? So you become depressed. The more the soap stays with the lead, the more it becomes the soap. <laughs> I have some people will get this tomorrow. <laughs> because we keep saying to Jesus, give it back. Give it back. So the first thing we need to do is we need to pray with, not without, pray what? Without doubt. The second thing you need to do is you need to paralyze your doubts, which I mean disown it, which I mean purge. Disown it, drop it, purge yourself. How do I do that? I'm glad you asked me. He says, you need to do it. How? You've got to believe God can. Not you, but God the man said to Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> In essence, I'm not sure. But I, if you can, help me. Are you, can you see? And that's why 
The Bible says, and we read that this morning in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. The father in Mark chapter 9 still pursued Jesus with doubt in his heart. We're not required to have great faith because faith is from God, not from ourselves. We're simply called to believe. And believing is accepting what God has said and not trying to make it happen. I've got to say this again. If you're going to doubt your doubts, you've got to believe, you've got to start to accept. What did I say? Accept what God says and not what you say. So, the, most of the time, what we tend to do is we tend to hold on to this and believe that because I can't technically lift this up, then it's not going to happen. But when you paralyze this, you say to this, because I've handed it over to Jesus, I drop it. It is now his responsibility to bring it to pass, not your responsibility. I just need to accept what God said about me and I leave it like that. Doubt that becomes unbelief can trivialize the word of God until it has no more meaning in our lives. That's the reason why if you don't keep your nose in God's word, you will constantly be assailed with doubt. This is the only, only Christian error that I have come to see that believe that they can continue to walk with God without prayer and the word. I, and, 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 and Pastor Jim, they now have the audacity to now walk into church and judge the pastor on his preaching. You didn't read the word. And then you are the one that now starts to... Yeah, humor, tick. The word, five. Uh, gesticulations, overboard. Uh, 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 you didn't even read the word. And then you, they leave. I really didn't get anything from them. I, I'm, I'm actually looking for a church that is deep in the word. No, you put your nose in the word because no matter how deep the church you go to, deepness is not going home with you. When the devil comes, he doesn't care how deep your church is. He wants to know how deep you are. And you cannot live on the crumbs of a church. You have to live on the words that you receive from God. That's when, when the devil comes in, he's not going to say, ah, is the pastor with you at the moment? <laughs> Can I say to this, every word that you receive will face adversity. Every word. God said, this is the woman I should marry. He will face adversity. So after 21 years, the devil still wants to break. He wants to maim. He comes against our, our marriage. But we have to keep our nose into the word of God, knowing fully that this is what God said. And if I ask anyone here who has been in worship tabernacle for a long time, what word did God give pastor? When I first spoke to my wife, many of you can repeat it verbatim. Because you have to have a word. 
Because when the issues come, I've got to understand that God didn't tell me to fall in love. God told me to grow in love. Because when you fall in love, that's the end. But when you grow in love, there's no limits. You have to keep growing. You have to keep growing. You have to keep... Because you don't want to die young, so you have to keep growing. You have to keep growing. So it may take 99 years before the growth ends in Christ. But as of now, it's still going. So when you now say, oh, I've reached the end, it's because you fell in love instead of growing in love. There's no end. It's present what? Continuous. It's a word. It's a word. Every word will face adversity. Joseph, brother Joseph, of many colors, coats of many colors. So they gave him coats of many colors. Ah. <laughs> Trousers of many colors. He didn't realize that that thing is going to face adversity. The coat of many colors was the thing that made him go to the pit. He nearly killed him. So when you receive a word, I will rise. This year is the year of rising. We all rejoiced. I didn't realize that we're going to go through the pit. We're going to go through prison before we reach the palace. And when I made an analysis recently, I said, God, what, 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 what was our rising? What was my rising? He just whispered into my ears. His son, he says, son, you rose to the challenge. I'm like, yes. Meaning, when things come now, I have enough faith. Uh, can you put this? Ten, ten. Don't add those extras. <laughs> can you help me put it together? Because uh, where, where, how, how do I really paralyze it? There are only three things you need to understand to paralyze this thing. is remind yourself of God's goodness yesterday. Make a list of all the things he's done in your life and just start being thankful. That's how you paralyze it. About yesterday. What did God do for me yesterday? What did he do did for me last year? If it's not for God, I wouldn't be here. Number two, I remember God's presence today. I remind myself of his goodness yesterday. I remind myself of God's presence today. I remind myself that I'm not alone. He is always with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? Thou art with me. So I remind myself, he is with me. I'm not completely unknown. What is the third thing? Okay, so I know about yesterday. I know about today. But then I also remember God's promises for tomorrow. There are thousands of promises in the Bible. And listen to me. Why did I say he, he should do this? Because, listen, what's supposed to weigh you down when you know what God did yesterday, when you know He is with you today, when you know He's giving you the promise for tomorrow, what's supposed to be a weight that defeats you is a weight that you build on. You just start becoming stronger while you're waiting. You start, your faith starts rising while you're waiting. And you know the good thing about this is that when the same weight of problem comes, you are bigger than that weight now. Are you following one? So instead of something making you, you can walk with it. What you're doing now is you're not adding anything to it, but you can do with it. You turn it over. You turn it on the devil's head. 
Instead of keep falling down. It's why? Because I know he did it for me yesterday. I know he's always beside me. I know the promises. That, 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 that my future is bright. I know that God says that, 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 that my plans and purposes for you are for good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. Let me give you the third one and last one. So the first one was the first P was what? Pray with your doubts. The second P was what? Paralyze your doubts. And the third P is proceed with your doubts. Move forward. Doubt can only be removed by action. Therefore, pursue God with your doubts. Press forward. Press forward. Press forward. Press forward. Even when doubts come in, press forward. Because sometimes it's while you're walking that things start to happen. The father still did something regardless of his feelings and disappointment of the disciples. Do you know when he went to the disciples and the disciples couldn't heal him, he still stood there and he proceeded forward. Okay, I need to speak to your boss. (laughs) Have you ever done that on the phone? Uh, Who are you by the way? I remember one time, my wife was called, called to make a, an inquiry or to make a complaint. And then while she was on the phone, she said, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I said to her, who are you speaking to? She said, I'm speaking to someone on the phone. Yeah, of course, I know you're speaking to someone on the phone. Where are they based? When she said where they're based, I said, cut the phone. Call tomorrow morning. The person you're speaking to uh, abroad in a far distance, that doesn't understand your English language, you understand, because both of you are clashing with your accent, can't help you. Wait. (laughs) Wait till the morning, and in the morning at 8 o'clock, call, you will get someone here who understands and speaks your language. Fortunately, you may even find someone who comes from your village. So, so, so you escalate up. And then when you speak to them, first thing you always should do is, who am I speaking to? Get their name. By the time you say, what is your name? I say, I need to write this down. And then the second thing you need to say is that, I hope this, this, this discussion is being recorded. Ah! Ah! Then they wake up. And then if they don't wake up, then you say, is it possible, I know you've done your best, and I know you're in the confines of what they've told you to do, but is it possible for you to kindly escalate this up to someone else. Not that you're not doing your job, don't be very uh, disrespectful, but I need to speak to the boss. By the time you're hitting the boss, something is happening. But you know where many of us stop? Oh, sir, sorry, we can't do this and there's nothing else you can do. No, escalate it. Let's go further up. So the man, even with his doubt, he still proceeded. Where's Jesus? Oh, hey, Jesus, uh, my son is in trouble. Uh, and if you can, because the ones that you sent can't do it, uh, can you heal him? M- where most of us stop is where champions continue. People stopped at the mouth of Canaan. Caleb and Joshua moved in. Always do something. The only wrong choice is not making a choice. As Martin Luther King once said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then what? 
quarrel. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. That's how to doubt your doubts. Life is just like riding a bike. To keep your balance, you have to keep moving. I remember when I was teaching Jaden how to, how to ride a bike, uh, I, I, I kept holding on to it. And while he's running, I'm holding. I'm holding. After a while, I didn't let go because I thought he was able to. I let go because I was not able to. <laughs> I, I, I kind of just like, oh, oh. and then I was like, okay. Jay, Jay, Jay. I was like, and he was going downhill. I said, keep pedaling, keep pedaling. And he, I just heard him laughing. All I was doing since all these days was projecting my fear onto him. Because the only way you can ride a bike is to keep moving. And then I had a class and I ran there and he got up and said, Dad, I did it. I'm like, yes, you did. The only way to keep going is to keep moving. When we have doubts and people have failed us, we tend to stop everything and not move forward. We can't stay in this kind of state if we want to develop a mountain-moving faith. If we want a mountain-moving faith, we must walk to rid ourselves of doubt and don't let doubt stay. Let me conclude by reading this story. There was an outstanding quote by Meryl Streep who once shared a picture of herself when she was 27 years, saying, this, is, this was me. Listen to this. She said, this was me. How many people know Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep, yes. She said, this was me on my way home from an audition to King Kong, where I was told I was too ugly for the part. This was a pivotal moment for me. This was one rogue opinion could have derailed my dreams of becoming an actress, but instead forced me to pull myself up by the bootstrap and believe in myself. I took it deep breath and said I'm sorry you think I'm too ugly for your part but you're just one opinion in a sea of thousands and I'm off to find a kinder tide today I have 18 academia awards she kept moving there's no way she would not go back into her room and look in the mirror and say actually I, I, I am ugly there's no way. You know Meryl Streep's. She's not the most, best gorgeous woman in the entire world. But she knew she was gorgeous inside. She knew my maker. She knew I have something the world has yet to see. And here we have Christians with God on our side. And we still give up based on one person's opinion. If you doubt how far you go, go so far you can't hear them anymore. If people doubt how far you'll go, go so far you can't hear them anymore. Because words can either build you or tear you down. That's why Mark 11 said, Truly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be taken and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he says it's going to happen, it will be granted to him. Use your own words to develop your own words. And let me conclude by this. No matter 
whatever happens to you, or whether you're still in church right now and you're still confused, listen to this one statement. Lean on the mercy of God. Mercy is condescending love. When you read that scripture, he says, Jesus, he says, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, Jesus had mercy on him. Even when I doubt, the only way I can shred this thing, comes on, is by saying, you know what, I give it to the mercy of Jesus. Jesus comes and he will carry it over. So, mercy means I don't deserve it, but he is still faithful to help me. Mercy means condescending love, reaching out to a need without considering the merit of the person. God's mercy does, just doesn't forgive your failures and your faults, but reaches deep down into your weakness and your needs. Sarah had doubt, and God still answered her prayers. Did you see that? He said, you laughed. She, <laughs> she did two things. She doubted, and she lied. He said, you laughed. No, I didn't laugh. I said, you laughed. You laughed. Okay. Because you laugh, I will make you laugh. And when she had the chance, she said, now people will come and what? Laugh with me. That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy. Pray with your doubts. Paralyze your doubts. Proceed with your doubts. And if everything else doesn't work, just lean on the mercies of God and he will see you through. Did you get anything from it? You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.